Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. And today we're here to talk to you about a pretty special Adventure Time episode. Season 10. Yeah, a good one. Episode 4, Bonnable Bunga. Bonnable Bubblegum. Can you say it for me? Bonnabelle Bubblegum. Yes, thank you. It's a tongue twist. Oh it's a God. good vocal warm-up. It's a good <laughs> vocal warm-up. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I'm all revved up, man. I watched it twice right before we started this, um, which, okay, little under the hood. Sometimes we don't watch them all twice. Eric, you even texted me and said, you don't need to watch it twice. And I've seen this episode before, just on my spare time. But I, you know, I just got to say, what an episode, right? Like, this is this is an episode. I, we talk all the time about loving the lore of this show. And, you know, this is towards the end of the run. And you're getting some real answers and backstory as to why princess bubblegum is the way she is and who she is um your favorite character yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what a lot th- about her but it's but it's very very late in the show it's like six or seven episodes from the very last episode so i know but i, I was watching it and i was like oh man this is such a good one to talk about i gotta i gotta get going i'd stop taking notes candidly listeners i'm sorry this isn't a, a thing of disrespect towards you but to keep it more casual and flowing i've been like you know what i don't need to take notes and i did the first <laughs> couple episodes this one man i've got some notes eric um <laughs> like i was like this great, is a heavy great. can't wait to hear them. <laughs> can't wait to hear <laughs> yeah you're gonna be stoked it's uh it's some <laughs> it's it's fun it was a it was a real episode um yeah 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 <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll get into it i'm it sounds like you had a good week uh just based off your channel. It was it was really insane that we were texting and that you were in, in Greenpoint made me endlessly happy, which is, you know, where I've spent a lot of time in like my zone of the last uh, you know, seven plus years. And I'm down in Texas where you've been for the last, I don't know, seven years, eight years, ten years. Ten years I was there. Yeah, wow. Yep. I uh I'm trying to make plans to get back down to Texas soon. Right. But you were in you're in sweet Brooklyn. You've, you're you're really starting to plant the seeds of being this uh, this this guy who lives in lives in New York and goes to goes to Texas to make records and then goes on tour and like is a man you know, of man of America. So I'm now fully vaccinated and ah. going into Greenpoint to, to check out a, a recording studio with one of my friends up here was like one of the first like outings into public life that I've taken in forever and it felt really really good (laughs) I mean like you know we weren't around a lot of people Uh, we were just taking a a tour of this recording studio with the manager there but just driving an hour to somewhere different I mean only an hour because I had to sit in traffic but still like being in the car for an hour at a time (laughs) going someplace that's not the basement and seeing a person that I haven't seen in a couple of years uh, was just a very positive experience that got me pretty motivated That I, in a way that I haven't been since, you know, months and months ago, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> yeah. 
That's great, dude. I'm glad you got to go. You got to experience it. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm looking at moving back to New York soon um, in September. Um, but just hearing you, you know, the first time I thought about moving back to New York, I'm sure lots of people can relate to this. Like entering the real world brings on a little bit new level of anxiety. Um, I love the world. I love people. I love doing things. But there's been this sense of calm and serenity and like order to my life that having a less expectation of being out in the world has brought. So I think like re-entering the world, I'm sort of like, I'm excited to do it, but I'm a little scared because there's another part of me that's like sort of blossomed and, and I'm starting to enjoy things in this certain world. So when I first thought I was like, okay, moving back to New York, I was like, oh, oh no, like that's kind of crazy. But then you texted me that you were in Greenpoint. And I was like, oh, Eric's in Greenpoint now? That made me happy that you're there. That makes me excited to go back. <laughs> and then picturing the, the the streets of Greenpoint, I was like, oh, yeah, that – all right. I think I'm warm – I think I just need to warm back up to the idea of life returning to what it was, you know? Yeah. No, I, I dig that sensation so much. Like, I had so much anxiety about, like, oh, pressure is going to start coming back on. Like, I'm going to have to go out there and do things. Yeah. And – I, you know, I wasn't accustomed to that, you know, after a year of, of not doing things and getting pretty good at not doing things. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, all it took was just actually, you know, doing one thing, going one place. And I was like, I remember how to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, man. Um, I mean, should we talk about the episode? Should we just go? Sounds like you have. I've got thoughts. I, I I had some other things to talk to you about, but it feels like an episode. It's worthy of just diving in. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get taken other places. All right. Well, here's uh, here's the episode discussion. Episode discussion. Season ten this is our first season ten episode. Yeah, which is you know kind of cool that we got to make it this far without getting to season 10 because it is nice to have a little bit of a base under us you know yeah well our we know we understand that our number generator is flawed for picking the episodes yeah but so it's, I, it, it had been a while before we got to season one episodes also on the other end of it it's true but i i think it's but it was last week was cool because we were in season one the earliest episode we had done which was great because then we got to view it with this new context and it was really fun and now we're getting to do the latest episode the very next week with this new context I, it's cool like this format's fun i like i like that we're not going in order um, and i hope you do too listeners um, <laughs> um so yeah i mean you know really interesting stuff in this episode i think you know by this point we've gotten ba- a lot of great backstory and a lot of characters and this just really fleshes things out for bb you know, so that's one way of looking at it. That's and yeah. I appreciate that. That's how you're coming into this wholeheartedly. Yeah, because my instinct was to view this episode as a bit of a retcon. Okay, where there had been some unexplained references in the past about Uncle Gumball. Yeah, and they were trying to figure out a way to fit it into the story to have it make sense and have it tie into Princess Bubblegum's character arc. Sure. And the way they did it was expert. Yeah. I it, it succeeded, I think. But to me it 
didn't feel a hundred percent natural. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't seem like the first nine seasons of the show were leading to this for Princess Bubblegum's character arc. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think that there's a good argument for that. I think I, I hear you and I see that, but it also like, it all checks out. You know what I mean? Like, we, and that might be what you're getting at when you said it was expert because like, not only does it give us an explanation as to Unger, who Uncle Gumball was, I'm tripping over my words today, who whoever, who that guy is, who her uncle is, um, and, you know, is going to make this great foe. But it also informs a bit of Princess Bubblegum's character, you know, and, and, and things, and maybe why she is the way she is um, a little bit, you know? And that, that, that to me made it feel more like it checks out. Yeah, it, it it definitely explains a lot about how like how she trusts other people and basically she didn't have the familiar structural role model. So it, she kind of figured things out by herself over the course of hundreds of years and it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah, uh, she has to and like the really a quirky thing about it is that she doesn't create a mom and a dad. She creates an aunt and an uncle. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. I uh, also, sorry to cut, cut you off mid mid thought, but right. So you have this cornerstone character like princess bubblegum. She's important, not just to Finn and Jake and us, but the whole world at this point, like of the land of Ooh. And you think like there's going to be some sort of big epic style backstory right like like fire and brimstone or maybe i don't know like or like something like pretty epic and it's more of like a family drama and i feel like this is kind of real you know kind of grounding a little bit in like how things more go in real life right like like it's even the the big huge movers and shakers in our current society and world come from um and the most impactful things that have happened in their lives are just these inner family dynamic thing so i don't know i it, it, it feels it feels kind of real to me it feels almost like they went for a more realistic version of creating a backstory for her versus like making it feel crazy and big and epic although while i say that this story felt kind of like biblical almost to me do you know what i'm getting at here uh specifically because uh, i'm not no no, no i don't know and I, I don't have a specific like allegory in the bible but you got a thing where princess bubblegum i'm not saying she's god but in this scenario she's creating life and then the life is turning on her in these ways and i was like this is like a this is like a story that you could you could rework this and put it in the bible god creates man man gets ambition man turns their back on God and then starts turning their back on their fellow humans. And, and God's finally like, all right, enough of this shit, you know, and steps in like, and I love that you're approaching it from like the total opposite mindset from where I, I saw these things. Cause <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm caught up in my own like space and I immediately saw a metaphor for the music industry. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I would love to hear more about that. Right where uh, Princess Bubblegum is kind of doing her own thing. She's building her kingdom yeah. uh, from the ground up. She's doing this DIY project 
and she recruits people for her team to help her out. And then all of a sudden these people come in and they try to change her vision. They try to market her brand immediately monetize it yeah (laughs) and she she loses control of what's supposed to be her project that was her diy thing from the very beginning yeah and uh that's a tale as old as time in the music industry (laughs) yeah it is i mean art unto itself even just being a person right it's like you got your thing going and then someone comes in out of nowhere and tells you things you're doing right or wrong and you go accordingly and sometimes that's great and sometimes it's uh, someone doing it in their own self-interest, like Uncle Gumball, you know. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, so I kind of forgot how this episode went, and uh, understanding Uncle Gumball's motivations there uh, really makes it a little bit more black and white than I remember, because he has, you know, literal like branding ideas like he he wants to make it marketable he wants to create his his apartment complex and everything (laughs) um and so pb has a pretty decent she's got a pretty decent reason for shutting that down uh whereas i think the series sort of had her in a little bit more of a gray area where everyone on the internet wants to call her a fascist all the time but where you know she's sort of shuts out other people preemptively before yeah. they have a chance to betray her, um, and I guess this is the origin point of her feeling that way. But it seems almost too easy to provide a bad guy in the story that is clearly black and white the bad guy. Yeah, I, I would have preferred to see it just a little bit more nuanced. I guess. Yeah. Well, I I, I think. Uh, I think they did it in just like a very direct way, you know, rather than being like a two episode flashback. It's like, let's just make it very succinct and just, and just make it there and plain, you know, um, maybe since it was last season, they didn't have a lot of time to mess around. Um, but like, I, I think that's true. Yeah. Okay. I, I will, we'll go through the plot a little bit just for people. I'm not going to go through it painstakingly, but you know, um, they go, it's princess Bubblegum. It's drinking out of a goblet that reminds her of one that her uncle Gumball talked about. So she's like, here. And Jake's like, I don't know much about your family. So she's like, let's go like 800 years in the past. Yeah. So at this point, Uncle Gumball has been mentioned yeah. a few times in the 10 years this show has been on the air. But we've never seen him. Never. And mentioned as early as season two, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Which yeah, which helps. Strong. Which really <laughs> helps on your with your theory of like. They were mentioning him, and then this was their opportunity to make it make sense. Like I, I hear what you're saying, which may, might be true. So anyway, they they go back into the past, and she's like a little girl. Like it's voiced by somebody else. Like it's obviously like a a child, right? Um, and she's on like a boar and finds an abandoned uh cabin inside. Finds um a pea shooter, which will be crucial, and a mug that says world's greatest uncle puts it in her bag and goes and comes along this goblin who's tied to a tree and is like help i'm just uh i'm just a weird little goblin tied to a tree with all this junk around me and it's just like so clear that it's a ruse right like it's the goblin trying to bring and 
and I, th- I, I, what I appreciate about this, which seems like kind of like a nonsense scene, but I think it kind of sets up the where Princess Bubblegum is at this point, eight hundred years ago, is that she immediately goes down and is there to help. Doesn't isn't incredulous. Doesn't say anything. And goes, oh, I'll help you. Like yada yada yada, and goes, and then that guy is just immediately fed up and was like, Grr! and and comes to attack her he disintegrates the ropes and she hits him with the pea shooter and which turns out to be sort of like an electrical shock sort of a thing um yeah but i i thought it, i think i think what that scene did was kind of show her motivations and where she's coming from that she's good natured at this point especially like she always is but like you know right like when 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 you become a princess and you're creating life and you're ruling over them you're getting into fascist territories i think here just that little scene was just to give us a little clue into she's looking for the best in people still, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But she is very capable of. Oh yeah. Taking care of taking care of business. Like she's no <laughs> spring chicken. Like she'll, she'll be there. Um, she goes home and dumps the stuff out and Nettie is there. And do you want to like, you know, I, I've seen some episodes, you know, I know a little bit about Nettie, but do you want to tell us a little bit about Nettie, which is her brother. Nettie is another part of PB's plotline that seemed to be out of nowhere when they introduced him. Um, like a little bit of a retcon. Like, oh yeah, he's always been there. I forget what season they, they brought yeah. him in. Um, Princess Bubblegum comes from the Mother Gum, which we see in the flashback episode, Simon and Marcy. It's just sort of like this pink blob gum mess that's all over the city uh as you know as the apocalypse is happening which is kind of like a reference to the super mario brothers movie mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we don't really get an explanation as to what the mother gun is where yeah. it comes from what its relationship is to the candy elemental but we don't really need an explanation i kind of like how it's sort of just left as a half mystery yeah and PB is born out of the mother gum and so is her brother Nettie apparently. And I don't remember at what point in the series we get Nettie's and, origin and, story. And but. here she holds up a photo which looks like a mom and a dad in this episode. Remember she's there with Nettie and she has like a framed photo. Is that did she take that from the cabin? Is that the f- photo that she stepped on? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that she's like, is this what a family is? Yeah. Now, <laughs> when I saw Nettie, I kind of was like, he seemed almost like a stand-in for like a sort of like autistic brother or something. Like, uh, or uh, someone with some special needs. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, the best quotes of the the show that I see a lot in memes is, some people are just built different. You don't have to understand it. You just have to respect it. I love that. But yeah, uh, Nettie is neurodivergent and we don't really see much of him because he just wants to hang out by himself and he's cool doing that. And I, I, I forget how the other characters interact with Nettie, but I don't think there's much of a plot line that, that involves him really. Yeah. But it's he's clear- just kind of content to do his own thing. And yeah, and Princess Bubblegum is, you know, the only one that really gets him, I guess. Yeah, and he, you know, he kind of freaks out at some point when there's a loud, like, noise, and 
she she kind of calms him down um but she seems to you know kind of love and respect him but uh she you know she talks to him and says you know i still think i i need some other people around that are like me and that i can be there some confidants some supporters some a family you know so she sets out to go make a family um and she gets some gum and and makes three people an aunt an uncle and a cousin they come out it's cool i think nettie you know kind of tellingly immediately is like wincing at them and it's hard to tell if he knows what or not but it seems like he he is incredulous and it kind of get gets you gets you in there um but they they come out fully formed like they are ready to go they seem to have like almost like a backstory or characteristics to them um you know not really sure where these characteristics like come from it just seems to be inherent to these characters existing you know um and they immediately start being like a family and she's like cool like well, let's be together and like let's go do stuff let's uh let's go p- plant some trees like let's make this a home so they go outside and they start planting these trees taffy trees right and um there it's it looks like a great family bonding experience then that night they go to bed and uh uncle gumball gets up and just ch- chops them all down brings them into town and sells them at this point is when i'm like this feels like a bible story like uh, like god gives you trees god gives you apples and enough apples for you to live off for your entire life and then what do you do you sell them because you're like, well, I could get some money off them and I could build a whole empire. And I can do more. And it's like, no, you idiot. If you just stayed there, you had enough taffy or enough apples to live forever. But instead, your goddamn ambition gets in the way. That's how I took it. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, and Princess Bubblegum comes out the next day and is like, what happened to the taffy trees? And, you know, he explains it to her and is already being condescending to her like a dickhead. Like, yeah, she just created you yesterday. She's the master of this. And he immediately is like, well, I'm the uncle. I'm the man. I'm I'm the leader. I'm the man. I'm the oldest man in this clan. Like, I, I'm going to be the leader. Right. Like, that's kind of it feels like the assumed role that he's trying to take on. Yeah. It's kind of like how she created Lemon Grab. Yeah. And and somehow he's the Earl of Lemon Grab. Like. He's royalty and he's older than her. Yeah. Even though she created him. That was that was a plot point in like season two or something. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Those early lemon grabs and he's like trying to have real power in the situation. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Um So I I, I do kind of like how that's a pretty logical callback to like she creates the candy people. Yeah. But if she creates them older than her, then like their chronological age doesn't actually matter. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. It's and it's hilarious. Um so then the next day she's like, yeah, and then then he brings her over to this like he's building uh a cabin. It's a cabin that we that they go to after she leaves the Candy Kingdom, right? With PB. Um, Cabin's been there for 800 years, I guess. There we go. And he's building it, and it's just sort of like, this is where I'm building my kingdom, which immediately is like, what? Like, our understanding is is that this is Princess Bubblegum's can't. And, like, you've been on Earth for one day. You've been sentient for, like, maybe (laughs) 24 hours at max. 
and you're already like, I'm building this here. He's already made, and, he, and he's like, I'm going to build apartments, which this, yeah, when he says I'm going to build apartments, like that's such a comp, like a, the current colloquial thing. And then like, he's like, he made all his merchants says we're a lifestyle brand now. And, <laughs> and it's a G for gum, but the face looks like him. It's just like he's got merch. Yeah, with his face on it. Like it's immediately like this just sort of narcissistic like he's a leader, just this like sort of capitalist ambition thing going. Um so that night Princess Bubblegum goes out with like a butterscotch bomb and throws it into where he's going to build his departments, right? His apartments like the developmental land and makes a butterscotch lake. And, problem uh, solved. Problem solved. Now she's like, "This is great." Now he doesn't have to build his damn apartments, and then we can just go back to hanging out and being like a fun family and not worrying about all this shit. Well, naive young P- <laughs> PP there, and uh, um, he comes up and is just furious about it, and he smashes the glass and says, um, "You know." Bonnable bum bubblegum. God damn it. Bonnable bubblegum. That's the last time you uh you micromanage me, right? <laughs> and uh she made a she made a um a a fish, like a Swedish fish to go in the butterscotch lake. And that seems to really have like struck a chord in in her uncle, because like I guess, you know, he essentially was created too. And it he it just like irks him. And he it, it it really bothers him, and he he goes over and realizes he's like, well, why don't I just create using this stuff like a boyfriend for her? So he creates this cream puff and sends her out on a date that like the next day, right? Um, or it's like a couple weeks yeah. later, um, in order for them so they can start like planning something. And it's it's it seems weird that he's doing it. She seems kind of young to be going on dates, right? Um, Mr. Cream Puff is is into it. In fact, he has uh, matching tattoos scheduled for their second date. Oh my god, dude! One of the funniest <laughs> quotes. Like the the date ends, and she gets the car. And goes, I'll see you tomorrow for our matching tattoos. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and she comes in, and they're like in the basement, have with the door open, having like a meeting about quote unquote the Bonnie problem. Um, which is they can't do shit because Bonnie and like. It's not just the uncle, but you know her cousin and aunt. They're all in on it now, um, and they're and they're making fun of her. They're 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 ripping on her, um, and he's like, you know, we're gonna make this happy juice that'll make her just like cream puff and won't make her dumb dumb juice. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My bad. His dumb dumb juice right on his on his slide. <laughs> Whoops! I heard what I wanted to hear. Um, and then he feeds, so that, and he's like, "We're gonna do it tomorrow at breakfast." And then he feeds his family, like ostensibly his wife and child, these cupcakes that have the dum dum juice in them, and transforms them into characters we have seen before. Right, Eric? Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. Well, it's Crunchy and Manfred. Right. Two sort of beloved characters at this point, I would say. See- when when Gumball does this, this is the thing that that I don't understand. Why would why would he do that? Like they were on his side. He he's clearly a megalomaniac that just needs to be the only one in a position of power. 
Yeah. And by making it that clear cut that he is the bad guy, uh, that it's just a little too heavy handed for me. This um, is... I, although the scene is hilarious when uh, the cousin eats the cupcake and then the aunt watches him turn into crunchy and she still eats her cupcake afterwards. Yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, this is what made it feel biblical to me and almost like allegorical is like when you when you tell like Bible stories in my Eric, like they can go beyond what would make sense in like a normal story that's grounded in like normal people reality and really just show like push the like heighten things to where it's like this is about how man's ambition sort of in some ways can can take them over and ruin what could otherwise be a a spot in life that is good right like bonneville created him yes yes technically she has upper hand but she was not treating him like a subservient being was not treat treating him like a servant or anything she was treating him like we're gonna be a family now and was providing him with food providing with these things but yet the man the masculine thing is like i need to be the leader i need the power i need the control and just pushes that all so far that he's even going to kill his own family just to get this ultimate power he he doesn't kill his family he transforms him into things that he can control and i think it's just sort of like this is you know, this is like a biblical thing or it's like man man is king man wants to control all these things you know like I don't know. That's what I got of it. Is it the most logical that a character would do this? Probably not. But <laughs> um, it, it 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 shows something about humanity. It shows something deep about this character that they have to quickly establish as the like one of the ultimate villains. And I think it also is to me. I was like, God damn! If you're like her age at this point, it'd be traumatizing, right? Well, ostensibly it was uh, because this whole episode changed the way that she approached trusting people from then on. Well, you know, what's funny is A, yes, you're right. But B, the way she reacts after, you know, well, I guess we should say is that um, Uncle Gumball, like they they get into a confrontation. He says that he's going to do it to her. He he says something really nasty about Nettie. She takes the pea shooter, shoots the beak, a beaker. He's holding this dum dum juice in. It goes all over him, and he becomes a gigantic punch bowl. Yeah. So yeah. So it was in self defense. Yeah. That's how she clearly. made it into punchy. Yeah. I this is this is so nitpicky of me, but like I just I really wish that she did it intentionally. That. Her, that she made a decision to give Gumball the dum dum juice. I, I I wish that she wasn't forced into it through self defense because we don't really get to see her transformation into someone who doesn't trust people. We just assume that it happens off screen after after the events from this flashback. I would really like to see the moment in her character development where she goes from being naive and trusting to being wary of, of, of people and to see her first decision to preemptively take care of a problem. 
Which really could have. I kind of wish we got to see that. That would have been here. And that I know it's been so here. nitpicky to just like. It's true. See what I wanted to see in a narrative after this episode has you know aired for years now, but no, it is. You know, and this particular line of criticism, I take so much issue with when I, I see like fan groups be like, Oh, why didn't they do this with the Lich or why didn't they explore this storyline? And I don't think it makes sense that they did. And I'm like, Oh, but don't you know anything about like how perfect they set up this? you know what? I, I get so mad when I see people, you know, project their own, uh, storylines onto, onto the show. Yeah. But here I am doing it. Yeah. I just, <laughs> You know what? What I, I agree with you that I agree with you. That's like a really great idea. You know what I think makes it hard, and like I could accept that, you could accept that. What would be really hard, I think, for some people is that you'd have to then reckon with the morality of Princess Bubblegum harder than you know. People are already calling her a fascist and trying to reckon with it, but think about how much harder you would have to reckon with it if we see her literally kill her, like you know, dumb down her uncle like that on purpose and, and say something. Although yes, more dramatic, more interesting, more character informing. Like I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Um, but you know, what's interesting I was going to say about it is that after this moment happens, she doesn't, she doesn't like collapse. She doesn't cry. She doesn't seem crushed. Her reaction is almost like, Oh, that's a failed experiment. You know, yeah, she's been at this for 200 years at that point already. Right. But it's like, okay, so was this so informing? Was this traumatizing? Like, was this as crazy as I think it is? But I think really we're to understand that, yes, it was. Like, they go, we go back to the future, and she sees in the, the goblet she's cleaning, like, a dish, and it has Uncle Bunkum come on it, and she, like, drops it. And it's like, BMO, where did you get this? And just great BMO. I got it from that guy, the guy who's in the cup. He See, he's the logo. <laughs> His face is the logo. He's in the cup. That guy. <laughs> And then the episode ends. Yeah. Um, uh, at this point, I, I guess they, they've they been threading in uh, a, like a shadowy sort of big bad character. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget how long he, like he's been waiting in the wings, at basically. But I, I felt like they could have stretched it back a little bit farther. Like maybe season seven or eight start like referencing like... It would be so, it would be helpful. It would help build drama and really build a no shit moment, I think. Yeah. The now the the issue is that like he only came into his, you know, f- full form being intelligent and everything uh like halfway through season 9. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of like a Deus Ex Machina that like all of a sudden at the very end of the show like this character just appears for as big a role that he plays in the series finale and like the ending of everything i would have preferred to just get a little bit more on this character a little more time like, a little more build up a little more yeah. let's let's get in there i i i agree with you and and you could you could have done that through flashbacks like this episode could have been the follow up to an episode from two seasons prior or something where where we had gotten to know the aunt and uncle and they were a little bit more sympathetic uh, from the audience's perspective. Yeah. So that when the betrayal happens in this particular story, it's a little bit more impactful and less out of nowhere. But here I am again, just, you know, doing my own rewrite. <laughs> no, dude, I think that's a really like 
you know, uh, my, my take, I said it before, but I think it, it just feels like logistics on putting this show together that that's how this happened. Um, yeah. It's also, uh, so the pinata the, and the punch bowl, they're not technically candy. I mean, kind of, <laughs> but they're just weird. And they're characters from the very first episode. When obviously, like, there wasn't a clear-cut idea of the mechanics of this universe yet, so uh, it seems like, yeah, they kind of are retconning the appearance of those characters to be like some of the first failed experiments of creating candy people. Uh, to to you know tie things all the way back to to something that was just sort of offhand and not really planned to be anything from season one. Yeah. <clears throat> That felt a little shoehorned to me. I did. I hear you. I think that's very fair. Um, I think it's very fair. And it's only because I love the character Princess Bubblegum, and I think she's so complex and interesting that I am so critical of this episode. Yeah. But say, hey, at least we got at least we got it at some point. I guess if you're trying to be optimistic. Did you happen to get the snail in this episode? Like, did you, did you, did you see it? Yes, I saw the snail. Nick, did you see the snail? I watched the episode twice, and yet I didn't see the snail. I thought you meant you saw the snail twice. No, nope. <laughs> it's like one of the, one of those couldn't be correct. <laughs> Wait, I said I, said, I watched the show twice, and yet I didn't see the snail. That's what I meant to say. Um, All right, well, uh, congratulations to me. Yeah, great, good job. One second, one second. I'm sorry. Congratulations. Okay. He was uh, on top of the cabin when they were building the cabin. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I think at Very that point, quick. At that point is when biblical references started just firing off in my head and being like, <laughs> "Is this a certain story?" I don't. Were know. you, were you like, like raised like really like Catholic, like knowing the Bible and everything? Um, I went to Sunday school. I took it seriously. I took shit seriously. Like, because they told me that if I sinned and I didn't listen to them, I would burn in eternal hell. So I <laughs> I took it seriously. People tell me that all the time. <laughs> Great. That's basically what the internet's for these days. Yeah. So I took it seriously. Um, yeah. It's funny. It's, I, it's, I'm not actively participating. I don't know all the different stories and everything, but there's all the different characters, all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> the, but there's, there's, there's some knowledge that rattles around in my head from time to time. Yeah. Um, should we mania this miscellanea? <laughs> yeah. Cool. There's things you may not know. Eric and Nick will show you all the trivia and miscellanea. All righty. 
So this is the last season of the show and there's some very different staff working on, on, on it at this point. Yeah. I was, I was looking at that and I was like, huh. I don't recognize all the names. Um, it was storyboarded by Hannah Nystrom and Alex Senwald. Uh, I don't know when they start working on the show, but at this point, uh, Julia Pot is one of the main writers. Um, not a storyboard artist, but one of the like just just writers room people, which seems like an interesting gig. Like, ha- like from from what I understand, like reading about working on these shows, pretty much everyone gets roped into some sort of art job. Like everyone is drawing something at some point, and then. There are occasionally just people that are only writers. Like they'll just write an outline of, of the episodes and then that's what gets handed over to the storyboarders. But like Ben Levin and Matt Burnett were just uh. writers on Steven Universe. Whoa. Like and and I guess on Craig of the Creek too, I don't think they they storyboard anything themselves because they're running the show. <clears throat> but Julia Pott is just a, a writer on Adventure Time at this point. And then she went on to create Summer Camp Island. A show we've both watched and enjoyed. Yeah, I like that show. And she does the voice of Susie on that show. Oh, great. Who is one of the greatest characters ever. <laughs> um, oh, nice. Well, that's fun. Um, great insight on to, to the, the, the crew behind this one. Um, I mean, we get an introduction of the cabin. We talked about seeing that later. Um yeah, it's cool that the cabin was was threaded in and out of story arcs th- over the whole series. Yeah. I, I feel like that could have been an opportunity to put in a little bit more gumballed backstory, but it's cool that, that the cabin has been a fixture. Yeah. And they are explaining the origin of that setting. Yeah. That that one they set up more. That one <laughs> there's some there's some deeper lore. Um Um yeah. Some references. I guess the uh, beginning of this episode is referencing Tank Girl. Hmm. Which that's a movie that I need a rewatch of for sure. I honestly don't remember anything about that movie. I probably last watched it in high school. <laughs> it's from the nineties. Interesting, you know. I I I heard something about it maybe getting a, a reboot or a remake. That's been like in development hell for a while. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but huh? Well, but the whole like apocalypse, like you know, riding through the wasteland, uh, wearing goggles is how Tank Girl opens. Well, there you go. She looks like Tank Girl. <laughs> I didn't really find too much other stuff. I gotta be honest, Eric, that excited me. I'm seeing this on the wiki just the point that they're analyzing but when they're setting up the flashback and they're by the by the lake and pb just says families are tricky and then finn and marceline they're both they just both nod in agreement because they have really messed up relationships with their biological parents and uh jake has no idea how to relate to that because he's just Loved his, he just his dog goes, parents. He just puts his head no. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked that. It that, that 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 I meant to bring that up. That that was a, that was a nice moment that felt like of some like 
intimacy and true friendship where it was like, all right, she's going to open up now. And like these guys, everyone here has opened up before. Yeah, it's funny that Jake couldn't, but like, I, I liked that. It, it felt, it felt nice. It's foreshadowing uh, a little bit because just a few episodes later, Jake is going to have like the ultimate showdown of daddy issues. <laughs> we'll get there. Some We'll get to that episode at some point. Hey, maybe yeah. even next week. Let's let's maybe see what episode we're going to watch. Maybe it's that one. Okay. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Okay. I literally got this episode, episode 270. Two episodes later? The one you're talking about? No, the episode that we just reviewed, oh. that we just did a podcast oh. on. is the. <laughs> Good Lord. Spin it again. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? What's the number? 126, season five, episode 22. It's called Oh, Ice King The Party's Over, Ila de Senorita. Oh, okay, cool. We have not watched that one. <laughs> no. What is this? What is this one? Ice King. Oh, I remember yeah. this one. Oh, it's an Ice King episode. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Here we go. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, dude, great talking to you. It's a nice, good, efficient episode, I think. Lots of Adventure Time talk for the fans that want that. Um, you know, hey, we appreciate you. If you like us, tell a friend. It's the best way to probably uh, support this podcast. Um, give us a couple cents on Anchor. Um, rate us on. Give us one cent. It would be funny. I dare you. I'd laugh. I'd be like, holy shit, someone did it. <laughs> if you give it, we'll name you on episode 40 if you do it soon. Episode 40 next week. Damn. What's uh, what's Sean been up to? Should, should we have him back on? We should have him on soon. Let me see what he's what he's doing. We need we need some fresh blood in here. And he's he's just the his his bread's pretty blood's pretty fresh. I, I've been smelling it recently. It's, you know, <laughs> it's good shit. Um, he's got a new solo record coming out. I, I, it would be good to have him maybe come on and talk about it or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you then. All right. Good up everyone. Goodbye. Peace out y'all.